So today is December the 11th, 2021. I have been in <laughs> prison rehab. Uh, let me start fresh or start back. October 15th, I went to Rockwall County Jail and was there. And then Henderson County and then back to Rockwall County. And I went to Safe P in Gatesville, Texas uh, on the crane unit on December 15th. And I was released on September the 14th to the VOA in Fort Worth, which is a halfway house. Um, so I've done drugs or I did drugs, um, the better part of 40 years of my life. First time I was about 11, 11 and a half. And I've done some type of drug off and on since then. But the two exceptions of when I was pregnant with both of my kids. Um, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud that that's my longest commitment to anything. Um, but it is what it is. And that being said, um, this sobriety has been a long time coming. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing this without any notes. So if I'm stammering and stumbling a little bit, it's that's why. But... It's been a long time coming. Um, there's been a lot of things in my life that have happened that have been really, really bad. <laughs> but everyone has a story. Uh, I just want to tell mine in the hopes that maybe I can tell some of yours too. Or maybe you can tell me some of yours. I would love that. Uh the best two days of my life, April 14th, 1991, and September 11th, 1996, the day that Taylor was born and the day Daniel was born. The worst day of my life was July the 20th, 2012, the day that Taylor died. And I've lost a lot of people, but that one is still the hardest, which makes the other ones even harder. I've lost my mom, my my biological, my stepdad, sorry, the man who raised me, my brother, my grandmother, my grandfather, my cousins, two cousins, some uncles, an aunt, and there's a lot of people that I really love, a lot of friends, and a lot of really good dogs. I have lost a lot of people. And honestly, lately the drugs weren't even anything to get me high. It was just to keep me from losing my mind. So now, <laughs> now that's when I'm trying to figure out how not to do that. <clears throat> um, back to the beginning. Uh, I guess what one of the things that I learned <clears throat> at Safe P was that I've probably always been depressed. I don't remember not ever being sad about something. Um, I mean, that just seems like that was the norm for me. 
probably, I don't know, I say all the time that <clears throat> I think at least in women, puberty exacerbates whatever mental illness or mental chemistry thing you got going on. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and I still believe that because, like, I remember my childhood being pretty great. And I remember my teenage years being really, really crappy. And from then on, just everything, every little thing, seems like I was always bobbing and weaving, trying to get away from the emotions of sad. And I was really, really shy. <laughs> I know no one believes that now because I never shut up, but that's okay. I was terrifyingly shy. Um, and so I did a couple of things at school to try to come out of my shell. I took theater arts with Miss Wilson and speech with Miss Wilson. And she is really the person that changed my life. I mean, she really, really, still to this day, I still follow her on Facebook and try to go to her July 4th parties. And she's still just awesome. And she still remembers me as the sheep in Charlotte's Web <laughs> from 1983. So, or 82. Gosh, 82 or 83, I don't know, but she still remembers me. She remembered my, recognized my voice uh, at the uh, pizza place, Cece's. Yeah, I think it was Cece's when we had a little gathering with a bunch of us former students and her. And um, <laughs> she was just awesome. But whenever I couldn't be in school doing school stuff that I loved, because I did love school, even though I hated getting up in the morning and going, um... Uh, I found that I could drink or smoke pot or in middle school and high school, it was mostly those two things until later high school. Then I discovered ecstasy and that was, that was my favorite. I loved X, unfortunately. Um, and also we did a little meth and a little coke and just a little bit of everything. It's high school. I mean, it's not great. But I just figured out on drugs, I was funny. And my bitterness uh, at whatever I was bitter about, which was usually just silly boy stuff, um, was funny to other people in, in my my. Family antics and stories about my super dysfunctional family on all sides. Uh, the stories that I could tell were funny. So I I guess I related that, that personality to the drugs and alcohol and, and just kept on rolling with the party. Uh, I know that's not probably smart. <laughs> I know that now. I was a stupid little kid back then, though. And so, you know, everyone else that I partied with outgrew all that stuff and, and became adults and do adult things. And some of them still drink. Some of them smoke weed still. But, I mean, for the most part, nobody's doing hard drugs anymore. Everybody's getting it together. And uh, I never did. <laughs> I never did. I never had to live on my own. I never had to do anything. I never, I never did. And now I'm trying to. 
Rich is which is really weird at fifty one. But um I mean, you know, you do what you do and and I guess I, I would get sober for a little while, a clean, sober, whatever, for a little while, but then I would always revert back to drugs because I didn't know how to do anything else consistently. Um When I worked at the cable company, I stayed pretty clean for most of the time, um, just partying sometimes on the weekends, but mostly I was clean. Uh, that's probably the longest. Then I got fired from there for some dumb political stuff and it just, you know, exacerbated. I was in a horrible relationship that I hated and, you know, I never, obviously my track record dictates that I never really learned how to respond to tough situations. Um, I guess just, and most of the time, here's the really messed up part is that most of the time, whenever I had those situations, nobody even knew I was using, I mean, I'm sure people suspected but a lot of people did not, did not know. I fooled a lot of people for a very long time. A very, very long time. And I don't know, that seems to be a really crazy part of, of a lot of it. But, you know, <laughs> it was my secret to keep. So I kept it. And... I mean, that includes a lot of relationships that nobody knew. I mean, I got to where I wouldn't date anyone that used. Very hypocritical, I know. But it made it easier for me just to do drugs by myself. And just to do what I do and move on from that and try to be normal. And I really tried to be normal. The closest I ever came to really wanting to just give it all up for love... Um, Ended in betrayal and really, really horrible, horrible breakup. Um, probably the worst breakup I've ever had to date. Uh, I've made amends with it um, and moved past it, but it still relegates pretty deep and pretty painful to me sometimes. Um but like I said, everyone has a story. My story is no better, no worse. It's just different. It's just different. Um, now, I am trying to lead by example because I know people that are still in their addiction that I care very much about, that I love very, very much. And I want better for them, too. And I know that I can't save everybody. I can't save anybody. Um, maybe part of my Captain Save a Whole Complex is that I couldn't save my own daughter. I couldn't help her. And I really did try to at the time. And it's so crazy because the, the stuff that I know now that would have helped her so much then it's like I can't get enough information. Like I could go back in time and just tell her, wait, I can fix this. Just wait. Don't do this. 
but that never really happens and she's still gone every day when I wake up and I still let her down every day when I wake up and I still miss her like she just left every day when I wake up and you see, this is the stuff that I tried to avoid by doing drugs. <laughs> this is it. Because I don't like being sad, and I'm sad all the time. <laughs> That's the crazy part, is that... <sighs> is that I've never wanted to be sad, but I've been sad my whole life. And I really didn't have anything to be sad about until 2012. July 20th, 2012, 10.38 p.m. <laughs> so, if you bury your child, no matter how you lose them, the suicide, murders, natural causes, it doesn't matter, accidents, whatever. If you bury your child, you're never, ever, 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 ever the same. You're never going to be. This is your new norm. Everything, is, for me, relegates into, into date comparisons. Like, if I see something on TV and it has a date, I always think, oh, I still had two kids then. Oh, I just had one kid then. Um, everything goes by what I was doing, how many kids I had still. <laughs> um everything i can't stop it uh it just it just does but i'm really trying to be better i still have a kid in trouble um that i'm trying to so desperately hard to just i don't know i i'm trying to tough love him but i can't because he's all i have left and it's really hard for me because i've never given up on him and I don't think, and I don't want him to think that I'm ever going to, but at the same time, I know I have to set my boundaries so that I don't put myself in a compromising place. I don't blame him for that. I, that's all on me. But at the same time, I still have to take care of me and I'm not, I don't really know how to do that. Um, so I go to group and I have therapy sessions with the aftercare and all that. And I have NA. And luckily I work with uh, everyone from the VOA. So we're all sober together. <laughs> and that does really help. It helps surrounding myself with those people because I love those girls. And we all get it. And um, we've all lost so much. Everyone that thinks that does drugs has lost so much. Anyone that's in crisis has lost so much. It's the loss that causes us to to want to numb ourselves, to want to run from that pain and that hurt and those shadows and the darkness and the things that people don't know that go on inside your head whenever you're smiling and laughing outside and having a great time by all appearances. But inside, the demons are going crazy in your mind and eating away at your flesh and 
and and robbing you of anything of ha- that that even looks like happiness at all and sometimes the laughter will chase those demons away but sometimes it just seems like it's a challenge to them to see how far down they can drag you and it's really hard when you can't get out of your own head it's really hard when no one understands what's going on inside of your effed up brain that you can't turn off and you can't stop and you can't understand it. You can't even reason with it because it doesn't make any sense. It's all insanity and you know that in your heart of hearts you know that what's going on in your head is not real. But it still kills you with everything that you keep telling yourself how horrible you are. How worthless you are. How much you've screwed up your life and everybody else's. And how much better things would be without you. And it's those moments that that I have to now process somehow. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Um, like I said, I want to be able to help people, but mostly I just want to help myself. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a little selfish. I need to talk about all this and it's just too much for anyone to do. I don't really want to be looking someone in the eye and telling them this stuff and them looking at me crazy. Like what the hell is wrong with you? When I can just say it on here and it can just go wherever it goes and <laughs> maybe maybe it, 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 it's relatable to you maybe you think I'm crazy I, I feel like I'm crazy so you're not alone in that thought but it gets it out of my head and as long as I can get it out of my head then I can get on with my day I can't say get on with my life because really I do take it day by day, sometimes moment by moment, but I know that the future is not promised and I'm really only here by the grace of God. I can tell you that, that I know that God has a plan for me and if you don't have Jesus in your life, then you really should get Jesus in your life because I can tell you that he has made the impossible possible. I have seen it with my own eyes. And I will relate some of those stories in future episodes. But right now. Um, I just want to get to the bones of everything. Uh, so I was born in 1970. <laughs> um, and even though my family is extremely dysfunctional. They were all so great. And so. So many great characters and so many great personalities and so many great people and good laughs and and just amazing memories. I have some bad ones too, but mostly the good outweigh the bad, which is crazy because now, like I said, puberty exacerbates a bunch of sad things, but now it's easy. After the age of like 12, 13, it's easy to start holding on to the bad stuff. But maybe that's because that was when the first bad thing happened to me. Maybe not. Okay, I was three the first time I was molested. It was just a one-time incident, and I removed myself from the situation, and I never went back. Thank God. I don't know how I never went back, but I just never did. Um, 
I'm not going to go into detail because it involves people that are still around, still living, and I just, it, I'm just going to let let sleeping dogs lie. Nothing good would come of that. So there's no need in hurting anyone unnecessarily. Moving on. However, the first time I was actually raped, I lost my virginity to the person who raped me at 12 years old. Maybe that's when all of my sad days started. Because although I was already kind of recreationally drinking here and there and smoking pot here and there, I do remember after the age of 12 and 13 and 14, just not really giving a shit anymore. Um, about really anything. Uh, I just wanted so desperately to be loved by someone. <laughs> and I don't know if that comes from my abandonment issues from being a child of divorced parents. Um, but, you know, I... I have them. I have deep abandonment issues. And again, I'm not laying blame to anyone or anything, but those issues are my own. And I will own those. Um, but they're deep, 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 deep. And what's crazy is that I was told that up until the age of five, me and my biological father were two peas in a pod and did everything together and I don't have any memory of any of that and I'm sad because of it because I love him very much and have always kind of sought his approval and wanted his love and wanted to be worthy of his love I just never really felt like I was again not his issue mine but you know we're going down bare bones so I'm laying it all out there um, my mother was great. My, nobody loves me more than her. Nobody ever will. My granny comes really close. But I miss my mama. I miss my mama so much. She was my biggest fan and my worst critic. <laughs> and really, I just, even now, I just want her to be proud of me. I guess we all want that from our parents, just their approval and their love and I hope that my kids both feel like that they got that from me I know Daniel knows that there's nothing he could do that would ever make me not love him and I hope that in the last year and a half two years of Taylor's life she learned that too that it's always been that way she just didn't always know that or always feel it so but the last two years of her life, she was my best friend. And I thank God every day for that because I needed that and so did she. And I just feel like I hope I wasn't one of the last things that she crossed off of her list to, to make up with or whatever. I don't know. I don't even know if she had a list. I feel like she did because I can look back and see the things that she was doing the last few months. And it was all so typical. And I didn't fucking see it. I'm sorry, I didn't see any of it. And I should have. I should have because I've always been an advocate for mental health. And I've always been an advocate for suicide prevention. 
maybe not as much as I am now, but I knew the signs. I've always known the signs. I've always been the person who wanted to check on everybody else because I always, because I knew in my own head how bad it was. And if I thought if it was that bad for me, maybe it's that bad for other people. So that's why I always wanted to make sure that everybody was okay. Because I just wanted somebody to make sure I was okay. And I missed all of the signs. I missed them all for years. She had given me signs for years and years and years. Hindsight is so twenty twenty. And I promise you, if you have kids that are in trouble, get them help. Get them help because every single thing they do and say is a cry for help. For someone to just notice that they need you. So do what you have to do. They may bitch about it. They may not want to go or act like they don't want to go. But just get them some help somewhere. Don't let the system beat them up. Don't let the system ignore them and push them aside and discard them. I mean, because it's so much has centered around focusing in the media and social media and everything else and celebrities on on mental health. But I can tell you right now that it's not any better. It's not any better. You, it still takes an act of God to get any help when you really, really need it. And I have lost so many friends to suicide. And part of my heart, too... Because all the signs were there. Because I was suicidal as a teenager. And yet, in my own child, I missed it. I was that close to the the the, the scene or whatever. I was that close to the situation and still missed all of the signs. Look, from the time she was 14 to 21 when she died, there were signs all along the way. And I didn't see them until she was gone. And I was... Trying to hold on and piece back together what happened and and looking through everything in her life like I do often because I miss her and I miss them. So I'm telling you, you have to be vigilant. You have to stay on top of this. You have to stay on top of your kids' drug use, who they hang around with or who they don't hang around with anymore. And the things that they say and they do when they start giving their stuff away, when 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 they seem like all of a sudden they're finally happy, it's because they have a plan. You have to stay on top of this, I promise you. If you don't hear anything else I tell you right now, parents a parent, take care of your kids. Because you don't want to bury one or any of them at any age. And suicide prevention, every time I go to one of the walks, the average age of child that starts having suicidal thoughts or complete suicide is younger and younger. We're talking like 8, 10, 12 years old. What do they have possibly? They've only lived a very t- tiny amount of time. How could life be so terrible? Like, what? what is going on? So, I'm just... I'm probably all over the place with all this. And that's just how my brain goes. So that's just how these are going to go. So um, this is the first one. I guess I've rambled enough. I'm going to wrap it up. But um, I will say this. This this episode is also dedicated to my counselor at Safe P, Brittany Sunkett. Somewhere in Gatesville or around there. She doesn't work there anymore, but... 
But she helped me set a goal to let this podcast begin by Christmas or before. And um, and it's been really hard for me to talk about this stuff. But I made a commitment. And I always say, you, if you don't have your word, you don't have anything. You can't be a person of your word. You have nothing. Because at the end of the day, that's all you have is your word. Do what you say and say what you mean. And so here I am doing what I said I was going to do. So thank you, Miss Miss Sunkett. I appreciate everything you did for me. I hated being in prison. <laughs> but the work that I did there is never going to be far from my mind as a pivotal point in my life. So anyways, I guess that's it. Um, take care of yourself, everybody. Love, be loved. Talk to you later.